title of my sermon is April Fool. You saw the marquee? It said that out there in the marquee. April Fool. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, they're talking to Christ. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, and I like this, his reply. Me. That's what the kids say in Manila. All the kids in Manila say, me. They got it from Jesus, see? Jesus says, me. Uh, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. So he was warning them about money. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there will be store. I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, verse 20, you fool, April fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Then in verse, I want you to jump down to, to verse, let me see here. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you as well. Father, I pray that we would put you first in our lives and we would seek first your kingdom. We bless you and we honor you, Lord God. You moved in a powerful way at 9 o'clock. Give us a double portion here in the 11 o'clock service. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody together said, greet one another one more time with the love of the Lord prior to your being seated. Shake a few hands. Now, I brought out some things here in the, the 9 o'clock service that I had brought out before, and a few of them were jokes. And I told everybody that I was going to be like to tonight's show. I was going to bring out, even if you didn't like it, I'm going to bring out a sign here that said laugh. So laugh anyways. All right? And uh, 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 I remember when I had told this one originally many years ago, my wife just like, this time she laughed a little bit. <clears throat> but it goes along with the sermon here, and, and I heard this on the tonight show years ago. It was about a guy that ran out of gas and broke, his car broke down. Uh, about, you know, at the tip end of Harlem in New York, where the Soul Brothers hang out. And he had to walk all the way through Manhattan in order to go back to his house and get his car fixed, okay? So he walks all the way from the tip of Harlem on down, even down through Spanish Harlem, all the way down to Manhattan. And he gets home and he tells his escapade to his relatives. And he was of white pigmentation Anglo-Saxon okay you know what I'm talking about <laughs> now I got two to pick on hallelujah you got a partner now George uh, don't tell him don't tell him he got you good in the first one uh, anyways he was of white pigmentation <laughs> and he walked all the way down through Harlem and when he gets there uh, again he tells what happened and, and he says they didn't even harm they didn't tell me they didn't touch me nothing happened to me they go wow yeah I think it was he told them because they thought I was Chinese. They said Chinese. And he said, I don't know how they could have thought I was Chinese. My eyes aren't even slanted. I'm not yellow. Man, 
His family says, how do you know that they, you, you, you know, that they thought you were Chinese? They had to because all they kept saying was, Seifu. They, they called me, they thought my name was Seifu. Ah. Chinese, yeah, so, yeah, all right. Huh? <laughs> April Fool is what we're talking about here. The man in the parable that we were studied here real quickly in Luke chapter 12. All right, he was a man that we might call fortunate. If we would look at him from the secular perspective or the natural eye, maybe even the carnal eye, we'd think that he was lucky. Somebody that we would love to be in his shoes or, or in the shoes next to his. Certainly not shining his shoes. But we'd like to be with the guy or maybe even be him. The man of the parable Christ talked about was very industrious. He, had, he was good in business. The opportunity now lay before his very life. For this man to, to be relieved of all financial strain and all financial headaches. See, money problems would be few, if any at all, in this man's life, according to the scriptures. Have you ever considered how nice and easy things would be if you were rich? But listen, we don't really know the problems that those people have. Uh, but where would our, our faith be? The Bible says, we have been the, the poor of this world. God has chosen to be rich in faith. James 2.5 says this. See, things are not always as they seem. Uh, I mean, you might not, you know, know the problems or the temptations that are given to people in such a situation. And the book of James chapter 2 also goes on to talk about that we should do all that we can to inherit the kingdom of God. Not necessarily riches. See, Jesus taught and he also warns us that man should be afraid to become rich. In Mark chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, he says, how hardly can a rich man enter the kingdom of God? It's like a, a camel trying to go through an eye of a needle. He's warning us, be careful with money. Because money can get a hold of your life. Uh, money can get a, act, make you act funny. The key to Christ's teaching here in Luke is this. See, see, Jesus is saying that riches bring a false sense of security. You can fool around. You can act bad because you're rich. You got money and you're in need of no one or nothing. Uh, as a matter of fact, people need you. Uh, isn't it funny that when you have a lot of money, you have a lot of friends? And I use the illustration in the 9 o'clock that, now I never had money, but I used to be on a thing called drugs. And I used to have drugs. Uh, and I was a businessman. I tell people, I, I would, in the morning, I would end up with a wad of whatever in here. And then I would end up this down and a wad of money on this one. I was a good businessman. All this would be gone, but the money would be here. And I remember sitting at the park in Santa Paula, California. And everybody, Stevie, 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 calling out my name. Steve, Steve. Sorry, bro, I got to go. This is what me. Steve, Steve, oh, sorry, I got to go. This is what me, you know. It brings a false sense of security to you. Look at Matthew 13, 22. Matthew 13, 22. False security. Matthew 13, 22 says, this is another parable. Christ liked to talk in parables. Parables means parallel. Parallel to the kingdom of heaven, parallel to earth, the secular. He wants us to understand. And he says there in verse 22, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches or wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. He's saying, Christ is warning us again when it comes to finances, be careful. Money can be deceiving. Enticing. It'll trick you. 
And I know that sometimes when we talk about money, people, people say, oh, all I want is your money. You know, all these different things. Listen, if you're going to believe the devil's lie, all they want is your money, he's got you. He can get you in the first line. Forget about it. Christ is warning us about finances. Be careful. Ah. He advises us to invest in the kingdom of God, to lay up riches in heaven where neither moth nor rust ah, can get to it. See, we're living in a society today that if you ask most college kids or ghetto kids for that matter what book they would want to have, they won't say the Bible. They want the checkbook. The checkbook. I reminded of the college kid back in the 60s. That's when I heard this one. He wrote home. He was in college. Real simple letter to his father. No man, no fun, your son. The dad wrote back a letter. Too bad, so sad, your dad. Uh, <laughs> I'm praying for you, hallelujah. Uh, the deceitfulness of riches. Most people today love money more than they love the Lord. Uh, they might miss, you know, church or be late to church, but they're not going to miss work. Because, man, that's, that's their livelihood. Money is really for us to use, not for it to use us. Uh, I mean, the United States has come full circle. By that I mean this. Oh, I'd say about seven, eight years ago, we went to Philadelphia, my wife and I. We took a tour. It was a, 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 one of those buggy rides. And it was a nice night. Remember that? Uh, she was sitting up close to me. But that's another sermon. Uh, we're not talking about that today. Uh, no sloppy agape here. Hallelujah. Uh, and, uh, well, there was a guy watching us anyway. She couldn't kiss me. She couldn't kiss me. She wanted to, but the guy was, you know, he was a giddy up, of course, you know, one of them shots. You know, so she couldn't kiss me. She couldn't kiss me, poor girl. You know. And it's an eight-block radius that has been preserved by American history. And it tells you, you know, uh, Benjamin Franklin with a church here. John Quincy Adams went to church here. They had like three different churches that different guys went to church at. And those churches had big old steeples. The reason being, they said, is because America, and those, they wanted to make sure the biggest building in the city was always the church house. Always. They wanted to make sure. But how ironic and how odd in that we're going on that eight block radius, it ends where the Liberty Bell is, down at the park there. But the whole time, if I would look to my left, because we're circling this way, the biggest buildings were the three steeples because they were churches. Okay, because America was making a statement back then. But if I would have turned right throughout the whole tour, and which I did, the biggest buildings were banks. We've come full circle. See, because America's built big edifices, big buildings to the things that they value. Our forefathers founded this country, if you look to your left, on spiritual things. The kingdom of God, the things of God. They made sure the biggest building was the church. But if you look to your right, uh, commercial bank, uh, Bank of America, bank, bank, bank. Uh, because that's what they value. America, listen, we value education. What do we do? Build big colleges, put them on the hill. Cal State Hayward. Uh, big old universities. Uh, 30 some thousand people attending a university. We build big buildings. Uh, we'll bail bank because we value our money. I mean, we build big old, big schools. We value our education. We build prisons. We call it the what? The big house. Because we value our freedom. You got to do the crime. You got to do the time. 
Uh, we value our freedom. We got to start building big houses, big, big churches. We got to put God back on Front Street. We got to put God back on Main Street where he belongs. Very important. But a lot of times we don't do that. Uh, see, I believe it's time for God to be brought and put back in his rightful place. Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, the kingdom of God is advanced through aggressiveness. The violence and violence take it by force. In other words, that within the kingdom of God, you need to be aggressive. You can't fool around. You got to do what God has called you to do. Uh, if you intend to extend the kingdom of God, or the, you know, we got to cause havoc to the kingdom of darkness. You can't do it playing tiddlywinks and tipping God. Tipping God will never do what God has called us to do. Uh, and listen, I can just come from here right now. We're called to do that, people. We're called to do that, to say, no, 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 no. This, this church, we're, we're going to put God back on Main Street. We're going to put God back. And I've said it before. Now, we have a great opportunity to do that. That people will be having their family driving up Tennyson Boulevard, and they'll say, turn left here on Huntwood. I want to show you something. Well, just, just, just be quiet. I want to show you something. Look what these people have done. Flags, all kinds of flags of the world out there flying. Nice windy days like today. Huh? Big old edifice, real nice. Taking up four blocks. All right, all right, five blocks. <laughs> Shepherd School, get out of the way, hallelujah. Victory School of hallelujah. Uh, that'd be nice, Victory School of hallelujah. I like that one. Uh, means praise the Lord. Make everybody say hallelujah. Uh, God has called us for that. And we need to understand that. Uh, are you with me? I said it one time and even hallelujah. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Twice. See? <laughs> we have that opportunity to make this a place of dignity. Now, getting back to the parable there in Luke chapter 12. Christ wants us to sink our teeth into the fact, my friend, that worldly riches can bring on a false sense of security. Uh, where we are in need of nothing and no one. Where our circle of love is, is just includes just a few people. Matthew 6, 24, and I've thought on this before, says, how can a man serve two masters? He can't. Uh, either God or money. Or mammon. Remember, he doesn't say, how can a man serve two masters? Either God, which is the Holy Spirit, or Satan. He doesn't say Satan. He says, what? Mammon. He says money. Because money is a spirit. He's, he's analogizing this. He's like, uh, you know, the opposite of God, he's saying, is another spirit. God is a spirit, but also he's saying the same analogy, the same power that, that, that God has. Money has the same power to be almost like God. He says, didn't say Satan. He says, mammon, it's a spirit. He gives it a name. And money has power. Yeah, it does. Most of you, so some of you, a few of you, every first of the 15th, you were like this. I'm going to brush my teeth today because I'm going to smile a lot. Uh, well, it's the first and the 15th, and I just got paid. Uh, because money is a spirit. And whenever you got it, it's like, yeah. Ah, uh, you feel And when you don't got it, blue Monday. Yeah, because on Friday you got paid and you blew it all. What do they call it? Blue Monday. You blew it all. Uh, <laughs> it all blew away. Uh, eh, what a bummer. I ain't got no money. Now, God is in the prosperity, and God's going to bless, and he's already blessing a lot of you. But be careful. Don't let it become your God. But, you know, I was saying in the first service, sometimes it's good not to have nothing. 
Well, so you just got just barely, 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 you got like a two pennies in your pocket. It's good. Uh, because see how we're going to act. Uh, I mean, God is the two pennies. Uh, is, is, who's going to be your God? And how are you going to act? Because then all they got is two pennies. And God! Don't forget that in the equation. And God! Uh, you're a majority. Uh, see, in the parable here in Luke 12, money and riches were dictating this man's every step. The Bible says he was talking to himself. What a terrible audience. Himself. Uh, and money was the, the basis of all his decisions. I'll do this because I have so much money. I'll build that because I have so much money. I'll go there because I have so much money. I'll make this because I have so much money. He was talking to himself. Money was dictating what he could do. He was talking to himself. Money was using him rather than he using money. And verse 19 ends with a false sense of security. He now had all that he needed. He didn't need God. He didn't need to pray. I didn't even have to go to church. See, the key to the teaching of Christ that he's trying to tell us here is that we are to find our total security in God uh, and God alone. Christ knew that this man was, was fundamentally no different than you and I. He represents us. That's what Christ is telling us here. Uh, but riches had deceived him. See, riches or talents or brains or, or ability, they can get, a, get, you know, get us away from the real issues of life. When we don't really see things clearly. Uh, what about the afterlife? He doesn't ask those questions. Uh, he was making his decisions from here to the grave. Rather than from the grave this way or from the grave this way. He never thought of the grave this way. He could care less about the afterlife. Man, I thank God for my father. I know where he's at. Because my father taught us to think from the grave that way. And he w was ready to go that way. When it comes to my dad, he went that way. Ah, uh, he's in heaven. Next week, my father's coming. My father's not coming. He's waiting. He's up there. Uh, he's already met your mother. Ah, uh, and my dad loves to sing. He loves, he, he loves to sing. He thought he could be a real good singer. Uh, he was always singing. Ah, uh, my dad. You know what? He's a pretty good singer. Uh, you'll hear him. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, but fools think of from here to the grave. That's their mentality, their mindset. What shall a prophet a man again? The whole world yet loses what? The most important commodity on the planet. Your soul. See, these are the questions we should be asking and also answering. Is that your final answer? You millionaire you? See, but the riches had deceived the fool in the parable. His questions were, what to do with his money? How to spend it? How to spend, you know, his money rather than where to spend eternity. It was the wrong spend. Uh, how do I spend my money? Uh, what a mind-boggling question. Let's see, where shall I go on my next vacation? And how about the next vacation after that? The man was talking to himself. The Bible says that the man made some heavy and clever plans. He made plans, my friend, to both ensure and to enjoy himself. Retirement, if you will. He was only talking to himself. Again, what a terrible audience. But then in verse 20 comes another voice that talks to him. Uh, the voice of the Lord. Here in verse 20, somebody else talks to him, not just himself. God talks to him and says, April fool, go to school, tell the teacher you're a fool. So you're going to put the money in the bank, huh? So you're going to build bigger barns. 
Uh, so you're going to go hither and thither. So you're going to eat, drink, and be merry. Merry, huh? Listen, it's not December. Merry Christmas. It's April, fool. It's not Christmas time. It's April, fool. Say, fool. Uh, that's what happens here. Then in verse 25 of the same chapter, in chapter 11 also right there in Luke 12, it talks about, can you add one cubit to your height? No. Can you add one day to your life? No. Now you can add one cubit this way. We're not talking about width. I said height. Height. Yeah, I can. United I can. Hallelujah. United we can. No, to your stature, to your height. Or can you add one day? No, because Jesus is Lord. How many of you, before you were born, you told Jesus, I want to be six foot, white pigmentation, and a preaching machine with a brown car? Uh, you know, we can't tell God what, how. No, he's gonna, he dictates to us how we're going to be and where we're going to grow up and all that stuff. See, the man had forgotten one key thing, the will of God for his life. What have we said before? The choices in life are yours. But the results belong to God. If you hear nothing else in this sermon, remember that one. In life, the choices are yours. You can do anything you want to. But when you get saved, what does God do? He changes your want-tos. Now you want to come to church. Now you want to tithe. You want to give. You want to do. You want to be. All God wants you to be. Uh, the choices are yours in life, but not the results. You can't say, well, I'm going to use drugs from here to eternity, and I'm going to run for president. And make it. No. Say fool. The results belong to God. Now you can use drugs once and inhale. And not inhale and be president. But that's another story. That's another story. Uh, see, wise individuals make choices from the grave that way or from the grave this way. Fools make choices this way to the grave. Uh, fools say, I'll eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow I may die. Wise men say, since tomorrow I might die, then I want to be cool here. I want to make wise decisions. The man was rich on earth, but he was not rich towards God. Somebody once said of a rich millionaire, when he died, he left a lot of money. They said, he left upwards of $4 million, but he couldn't take any upwards. He left upwards of $4 million, but he couldn't take any upwards. I've told you the one about the Rich millionaire who was crying. Remember that? He was crying. And his friend came up and said, How come you're crying? How come you're crying? Because my wife made me a millionaire. And the guy said, I wouldn't be crying if my wife made me a millionaire. I used to be a multimillionaire. <laughs> Be careful who you marry. <laughs> Scary Mary, hallelujah. I throw that one in for chump change, hallelujah. See, this man had the wrong view of life. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, uh, he says, brethren, in view of the mercies of God, therefore in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. See, the view, that's the best view to have. This man had the wrong view. When you have the view of the mercies of God, you, you have the right perspective. You're looking at everything from the grave this way and the grave that way. This man was looking at life in view from here to the grave. 
How do you make your decisions? They have to be in view of God's mercy. Has He done a lot for you? Then you need to be grateful. Uh, that's the right perspective. Uh, from God's view, not from the businessman's perspective, the, the businessman's view. Now, God is not a killjoy. He wants you happy. He wants you content. He wants you, you know, satisfied. He wants you blessed. He wants you, you know, to prosper. But in his love, he's only trying to warn us regarding the pull, the enticement, and the allurement of money. Money can be an enticement. It's a spirit. And it gets in there and makes you feel good, you know, for a while. There's pleasure in money for a season. But then it runs out. But the Holy Ghost doesn't run out. Uh, I mean, I like those Christians that you can't even tell if they have money or not, if they're blessed. They're just always feeling good. No matter what, they got it on cruise control. Money or no money, but they got uh, the honey of their life, hallelujah, in their heart. The Holy Ghost. Uh, the call of the wild. The enticement of the enemy. Uh, money. That's what, he's, that's what he does. A lot of us are like that, man. You know, uh, oh, check out, you know, tidy Tina. She's got her act together. Check out what she's wearing, and you're going to be in. Buy what she's wearing, and you'll be in. Tidy Tina. Ah, oh, she, she knows what's happening. Man. See, Jesus knows it's going to be tough to overcome the temptations of the world. But to this day, the kingdom of God suffereth violence and, exp and is expanded by force. Forceful people that mean business in the kingdom of God, that are rich towards God. Not necessarily financially. Uh, and we need to understand. Let me give you a scripture that I'm going to close here. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy 24. Verses 19 through 21. Ecclesiastes 11.1 says, To scatter, to give, cast your bread upon the water, for thou shalt find it not many days later. Deuteronomy 24. Beginning in verse 19. It says there, When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that your Lord may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes, in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Remember that you were once slave in Egypt. Look what God has done for you. Cultivate a grateful heart. A grateful heart can give so easily. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife? Uh, I mean, they were, they were, God was being merciful to them in view of the mercies of God. They were getting out of Sodom and Gomorrah. God spared them. But what did she do? Just one look. And I felt so good, good, good in love with Sodom and Gomorrah. Whoa, whoa. Just one. I think I can sing to like my dad. That's all. It, fall down. He turned his life. Why? Because of her possessions. The things that she left back there. Oh, my, my cosas, my things. God was rescuing them. God was saving them. God was sparing them. But just one look. Remember Lot's wife. There's so much in that scripture. Three words. Uh, but she was thinking about her possessions. The things she was leaving behind. You ain't leaving behind nothing. And God will give you more. In view of the mercies of God. 
Uh, see, if you come to church and just participate and sing and clap without giving, then you're just a cheerleader. You're just a cheerleader. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You're, but you're not a participator. You're not a player. A lot of people come to church. All they are are cheerleaders. Yeah, I like that song. Oh, play the thing that went again. I go to the rock. Yay! Here's where you lead the cheers. Right here's. Cheerleader. Rah, rah, rah. Ha, ha, ha. No, you want to be a rah, rah girl? A rah, rah guy? You gotta be, don't just be a cheerleader. But lead the right way. Uh, financially as well. Be, be a player. I mean, when I, I mean... When I was in sports, I wanted to play. I wanted to get into the action. I didn't want it to be. I mean, I'm not knocking cheerleading. <laughs> if you're a girl, you know. <laughs> Nowadays, they got them rah rah guys, you know. <laughs> take it away. Take it away. I'll take that for sure. You know. I'm just kidding. I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. It's all right. <laughs> But if you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian, don't be a sissy cheerleader. Did I say that? I'm talking in the spirit. Because in giving, you get. That's what God is trying to tell us in this parable. He's trying to warn us. Don't let the enticements of the money control your life. Matter of fact, if you want money, give it away. You'll get more. Because in giving, you get. You reap what you sow. In the first service, I used the illustration. I'm going to use it again in the second one. I've used it before. About a snowstorm. Two men caught in a snowstorm. This was one in Harlem. All right. That one, the car messed up. They're, they're caught in a snowstorm. They're walking down. They know how far they got to go, and it's pretty far to get to, to freedom, to get to, you know, where humanity's at. Because they got caught in a blizzard. And as they're walking, they see a man by the roadside. And he's got a broken leg and he's all messed up. And he's dying. So the one says to the other, listen, if we pick this guy up and we try to haul him together, all three of us are going to die. Uh, if one of us picks him up and takes him, two of us will die and one of us will make it. So it's up to us. What do we want to do? We want to either one die or three die or two die. And the guy says, I'm for one dying. Let's go. But the other guy didn't walk with him. The guy says, no, 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 I can't do that. He says, his heart, he says, I can't do that. He couldn't leave the man dying by himself. He said, that's okay. So what he did was what he did in the 9 o'clock service. <laughs> I wonder if I have any volunteers to help me here. God will bless them abundantly. Maybe in nine and a half years they might get married. Or 11 and a half. But here's what he did. He couldn't leave the guy there by himself. This is my only begotten. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Get up. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, have faith.
There was a lot of trees there. <laughs> Full of snow. It was a long way. <laughs> Illustrated sermon. I saved you. <laughs> Who will save me? <laughs> Two hours down the road, he passed the first guy that was selfish, dead, because it was too cold for him. But in him carrying the guy, he expended so much energy that was enough heat for both of them. I know. <laughs> and they survived. In giving you get. You need to understand that. It's the principle found in God's word. And God's word don't lie. I mean, I did this in the first service. <clears throat> you should have seen me after I, I left here. I was walking all over the place. I had all kinds of energy. I said, I want to preach again. <laughs> I know about it giving you get. And I'm not even a cheerleader. I'm a preacher. But it's a principle found in God's word. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, please.